Hi folks, great to have you with us. I'm glad you've joined us because we're going to talk about some great stuff today, some really important things. Now we're beginning a series in which we're looking at some of the major themes in the book of Romans. Now the great thing about this is that the book of Romans covers some of the real fundamentals uh, of the faith. Of course, we've been talking about that a bit in Christian beliefs, uh, but this series allows us to go a little bit deeper on some of the themes that are, make, really make up the fundamentals of the faith. Now, at the beginning uh, of the book of Romans, there's a couple of things that Paul talks about, uh, a couple of things that are very evident to us, but not always very obvious. They're things that are very evident to us, but not always as obvious as they should be. The first thing that is always evident to us, but not always obvious, of course, is that there is a God. The second thing that is evident to us, but not always obvious to us, is that we are in conflict with God. These are two key things, and in the first three chapters of Romans, uh, Paul, who is really laying the fundamentals of the faith, he focuses uh, on these things. Now, both of these truths we easily lose touch with. First, because it tends to happen that the most pervasive and imminent realities are often the least obvious to us. Like, for example, air or gravity, consciousness, being. We take these things as given. So we just, you know, it's not like we're surprised, like, wow, there's air. It's just a constant. And so we're kind of unconsciously perhaps you could say unconsciously aware of them. So, as I said, they're evident, but not always obvious. Now, more imminent and pervasive than these experiences, of course, is the experience of God. And I've been talking a little bit about this uh, lately. There is nothing that has a greater effect on your life than the status of your relationship with God. If this goes wrong, then everything is wrong. It doesn't matter how moral you are or how good you think you are as a person. If your relationship with God goes wrong, then everything else is wrong. So any problem you have with God will always, by necessity, be your biggest problem. Which brings me to the second, second thing that is evident to us but not always obvious. And this one very quickly slips away into our unconscious or subconscious, to use a Freudian term, mainly because we banish it there. And that is the fact that there is indeed something wrong with our relationship with God. That is, if we haven't already made this right. We've all turned away from God in some sense, and this creates an irreversible breach in our relationship with God. It's like we cross the border to join the enemy and there's no way back. We can't get back because we all became guilty when we rebelled and so now we're kind of trapped in that rebellion. Well, that's the bad news that Paul talks about in the first part of the book of Romans. But there's good news. Now this is anticipated right through the Old Testament and it's the theme of the New Testament, particularly of the book of Romans. The good news is that God came to us in Jesus Christ to pay for our guilt by his sacrificial death so that we could be forgiven and made right with God, put in a right relationship with God, to be made right or righteous 
So Paul says in summary in Romans 3, 23 and 24, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Now, a lot of you who are listening to me right now, you probably know all of that. You probably know it pretty well. But it probably also doesn't have the effect on you that it should. The magnitude of what God has done invariably tends not to match the magnitude of the effect that it has on us. Like, great that you know all this, but how much effect is it actually having upon you? Now, if there's a discordance or 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 an incongruity between the magnitude of what God has done and the magnitude of the effect that it's having on you, well then, this this is a problem. This isn't right. Now, the key question that we're asking today is how can I be made right? How can I be made right? And today I want to highlight where Paul, the apostle, begins in his letter to the Romans, which is really very much about that question. How can I be made right? Well, this is where Paul begins. Now, if you want to know more uh, about how Paul discusses this in the book of Romans. I'm just going to refer you to, of course, to the Deeper, uh, Thrive Deeper podcast. Um, that's where we get much uh, deeper into the letter as a whole. Today, really, we're just talking about the major theme, and particularly the major theme of the first three chapters. Well, what I want to focus on today, the thing I want to focus on today is this. is really the first step, okay, in answer to the question, how can I be made right? Well, the very first step that I'm going to focus on today is that to be made right, you first need to feel what is wrong. See, this is the problem with that incongruity between the magnitude of what God has done for us and the magnitude of the effect that it has on us. When, when it doesn't, if it's not having much effect on us, it's probably because you haven't fully felt what is wrong. And one of the reasons why we don't sense the problem, why we don't sense what is wrong when we do have this problem, is because in some way we've probably acclimatized to it. In order for you to feel what is wrong, something needs to happen, which I'm going to refer to as the contrast effect. The contrast effect. Let me give you an example of the contrast effect. I was recently uh, on holidays in January, went to Tasmania. And uh, we had in Tasmania, have these beautiful warm mornings. Often you'll have, it'll be warm in the morning, sort of offshore. Uh, we're down the south coast, so offshore, northerly breeze. It's really warm, beautiful. It's for, some, for some reason, the sun always feels hotter in Tasmania. Uh, anyway, a beautiful warm weather often in the mornings. But around lunchtime, the the wind would swing and it would come onshore. And when the wind swings onshore, it's absolutely icy. (laughs) The other thing that's icy uh, in Tasmania, and I'm sure uh, much icier than here in Victoria, is the temperature of the water. It is absolutely freezing. 
Now, invariably, what we would do is that we would go for a swim in the morning. So you'd sit on the beach, you get all, you get all uh, warm from the sun, and, uh, and then you go down for a swim. And the shock of the cold, as you probably well know, I mean, it's the same here, just I feel like it's more so the case in Tasmania. When you go into the, you run into the water, you get this shock from the cold, right? Because you're so warm, okay? Now, because you're so warm from the sun and the offshore breeze, because you're so warm, it kind of accentuates the shock of the freezing cold water, right? Now, a few days in, uh, in one of these freezing cold uh, afternoons when the wind came onshore, uh, I decided I'd go out for a swim. So I went down to the beach and uh, and I was in my bathers on the beach. I didn't have a uh, wetsuit on and I was absolutely shivering in the cold on the beach. The, uh, the, onsh the uh, uh, onshore wind was absolutely freezing and the, and the water was all blown up. But when I ran into the water, it didn't feel as cold. It actually felt quite warm. Uh, in fact, well, um, that's an exaggeration. It wasn't exactly warm, but it certainly didn't feel freezing cold like it did in the morning. Now, in the morning, of course, it was the contrast effect that enabled me to feel the cold of the water the way that I did so keenly. That's, you know, it was because I was so warm that I felt the shock of the cold. Whereas in the afternoon, I was kind of pretty cold anyway there on the beach. So when I ran into the water, it didn't seem to have that kind of effect. Well, that's an example of the contrast effect. That's the contrast effect. Now, when you are consciously enjoying God's loving presence, when you are tuned in to the conversation he's having with you all the time through everything, it has a kind of spiritual warming effect. It's like being in the sunshine on a cool day. When you're warmed by the presence of God in this way, and this really is my key point, you will feel any breach or conflict in this relationship very, very painfully. The coldness will shock you. But of course, if you stay there in the cold, you'll get used to it. They say that um, just before a person dies of hypothermia, they experience what is known as a kind of hot flash. They become very warm, even that they even feel like they're burning up. So paradoxically, uh, they sometimes remove their clothes, which actually speeds up the hypothermia process. Now here's the point. If you are in the cold with God, if you are in the cold, in conflict with God, alienated from God, in the cold, the worst thing that could happen is that you get used to it, that you feel warm, even though you're out in the cold. Another way that I've often said this is that the worst thing that could ever happen to you is that you end up being happy without God. Now, when we live without God, when we persistently ignore the imminent presence of God and the constant voice of God in all things, a kind of spiritual hypothermia sets in. This always happens gradually. And it happens because you know what you should do, but maybe you're just too busy. Maybe you just keep putting it off. 
And so you just kind of get used to that sense of alienation from God. You just get used to it. You just get used to the conflict. It doesn't shock you anymore. And it happens simply because you stay out there in the cold, simply because you stay out. You know that you should come back, but you think, oh, just tomorrow, or, or oh, yeah, I'll get into uh, good habits of prayer and worship. I'll, I'll do that some, some other time. And, but the problem is, is that you get used to the cold. And so you cool gradually so that you really, after a while, you don't even notice the cold. Eventually, you might even start feeling warm in the cold. And that would be a disaster. But I'm not here to harp on the problem, of course. I'm here to talk about the good news. And my point, though, is that in order to be made right, you have to feel what is wrong. So if you are out in the cold, so to speak, if you have acclimatised to the cold, how can you then begin to feel what is wrong? Well, there's really only one way. You need to be warmed by God. You need to be warmed by God. That will allow you to feel the pain of the cold with the contrast effect. And this, of course, will compel you to turn back to God. Now, this feeling the pain and turning back in the Bible is called repentance. At least that's the English word that translates the Greek word metanoia, which is literally a kind of change of mind. It's like turning around. Okay, That's the feeling of that pain of the cold and turning back, being compelled to turn back. That's repentance. Now, my point is that what will lead you to this experience of repentance and bring you back to God, what will lead you to this, what will allow you to feel the pain of the cold is simply to be warmed again by God's love. Now, you might think that, well, should, no, don't I need to experience God's, you know, the fact that God is angry at me? Well, no, actually, that's not the thing that's going to bring you back. Now, let me hasten to say, to be clear, God does get angry, but only because he loves us and he gets grieved at what we do to ourselves and other people when we're out in the cold. But it isn't the anger of God that leads us to repentance. It is his love. Romans 2 verse 4 says this, God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. That's the contrast effect. Because when you experience the warmth of God's love, that's what will enable you to feel whether you are out in the cold. Now this is important because I think some Christians think that to change the world, the first step is to go and tell everyone how bad they are. No, actually, we should do what Jesus did and love people. And when we love them, then they will feel for themselves how much out in the cold. When we share God's love with them, they will feel for themselves how much in the cold they are. And they also won't be defensive. And they won't despair. 
I mean, if you just tell people how bad they are, they'll probably either be defensive or they'll despair. But if you share God's love, if you reflect God's love, warm their hearts with the love of God, the contrast effect, the kindness of God, lead them to repentance. I remember when I was a teenager and um, very much resisting, my mum had become a Christian. I was very resistant to this Christian faith thing. It was the last thing that I wanted to. I just wanted to have fun, right? I just wanted to have fun. But as my mum prayed for me and as God began, the warmth of God began to dawn on my life, the contrast effect kicked in. And suddenly, as I was wading out into the deep, cold water, just wanting to have fun, I actually just started to feel the deathly cold of where I, were, of where I was. I started to feel the chill of the deep water that I was in. And eventually, God so warmed me and I felt so freezing out in the deep water in the chill that it actually compelled me to run back to Jesus. I called on the name of the Lord because, you know, once we jump in the deep, we actually can't get ourselves out. But the hand of Jesus is outstretched. And I can remember calling on the name of Jesus. I didn't even understand much about Jesus. I knew something about forgiveness and I knew that I was in deep water and I needed forgiveness. And so I called on the name of Jesus. And so my heart was warmed with the forgiveness of God. And I was made right. Well, even now, I know it's so important actually staying connected with the things of God that keeps me sensitive. It's not, that, it's not that as Christians walking with God, we never make mistakes. No, the important thing is that you feel it when you do because of the contrast effect. Because when you stay close to God, when you stay by the fire, you keep warm and so you will feel the cold when you start wading into the deep chill of the water. So the key thing, folks, is that you've got to stay by the fire. You've got to stay by the fire. You will make mistakes. But the most important thing is that you feel it when you do, that you feel the cold, you feel the contrast effect. You feel the cold because the worst thing that could happen is that you wander into the deep water and you acclimatize to it. And you think, this doesn't feel so bad. Now you've lost the contrast effect. Stay by the fire. Stay in the warmth of God, so that when you do fall away, you'll feel the cold and you can be made right again. I wonder, do you feel like you need to be made right? Are you starting to feel the cold of your situation? Do you feel like you are out in the cold? Well, I've got really good news for you. You don't have to stay there. You can't get yourself out. But if you call on the name of Jesus and ask him for forgiveness, you will be made right. He will draw you back into the warmth of the presence and the favour of God. God loves you. May your heart be warmed 
by the love of God, even now as you're listening. May your heart be warmed by the love of God. If you are feeling the cold of where you are, it's already because the warmth of the love of God is surrounding you. So respond. Call on the name of Jesus because the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved and you will be made right with God. Bless you.